Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, y'all. Welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of antiwar.com, author of the book, Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there, and the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Show. Hey guys, guess what? On the line, I've got Mike Swanson, and he's from wallstreetwindow.com, and he is, of course, author of The War State, which is a great history of the early Cold War, the last Cold War, I mean, after World War II in the Truman, Eisenhower, and Kennedy years. I think you'll find it highly educational. And now I have to turn around and look at my bookshelf and hope that it's right there within my line of sight. The new Vietnam book is called... Nope, it's covered up by a picture of Ron Paul that my friend and his daughter made for me. Hang on. It's right there with the best and the brightest on my shelf. Why the Vietnam War, Nuclear Bombs and Nation Building in Southeast Asia, 1945 through 1961. One day I'm going to read this thing. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Michael. How you doing, man? Oh, doing, doing good. Great to talk with you today. I've been looking forward to reading this book for years, and now it's been out for like a year, and I still haven't read it. Well, you but can I'm just so excited read the, uh, to read this. I really want to know what's in here, man. I really yeah. J- just read the conclusion, and you'll get the Cliff Notes version. So, okay, and you'll see what's new in it too. I'll at least. You know what? Now that I'm paging through it, <laughs> these pages look pretty devourable. I was intimidated by the thickness, but you got very large print. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I two that. paragraphs a page, man. I can do this. Yeah, yeah. The, it's big. Yeah, that did it make it easy to read for people. Yeah, man. Okay. I just talked myself into it. I'm I'm at least reading the last chapter, like you say there. All right. I'm an idiot. Hey, uh, you know what I uh, left out? Well, I said uh, Wall Street window, but what I didn't say was you are a very successful hedge fund manager down there in uh, Mordor on uh, Wall Street there back when. And then now you just uh, sit around giving good investment advice to regular schmucks and as people know you're a sponsor of this show so for patreon listeners i won't be charging you for this one but uh you know i'm not here to uh, sell your wares so much as to ask you what the hell is going on mike with the economy and what are people to do their money's being inflated right out from under them prices are going completely crazy what should i stockpile in what order or which country should i move to and when is the bubble going to burst and the real economic problem's going to start ah <laughs> well um the uh, the the financial markets the economy they can seem to be so complicated and really you know there are no economists that 
can consistently accurately predict, you know, is the economy going to grow or shrink uh, over the next quarter or six months or or whatnot. So what I'm going to try to do is keep it, make one point and go after, go off after that. The most, you know, one real important point. And, and that is what is happening. What's the most important thing happening. And I would say that is the simple fact that interest rates were taken to zero in 2020 and the Fe- in, in, in March of 2020 and the federal reserve started and announced this unlimited, unlimited bond buying operation. They were doing that to make sure they could keep rates low because in the bond market itself, there are all these corporate bonds and junk bonds of corporations that, you know, they trade on the market and they could fall from people selling it fearful that, you know, these companies might go bankrupt or it's not, you know, they're not, the bonds aren't worth, worth what they're priced at and so forth. So they propped the market up. And at the same time, you know, the stock market had crashed into that. The S P fell 35% and commodities also, uh, made an all-time low uh, right after that March shut with the shutdowns and everything, the freeze-up of the economy. And oil even went negative for a few days in the futures market. So what essentially happened that spring was the ultimate low in interest rates in our lifetime and really in human history. And these are global rates, not just the United States. It's like the global interest rate hitting all-time low. And at the same time, commodity prices, when compared to the value of the U.S. dollar, they also hit all-time lows in the history of the U.S. dollar. So everything that's happened, I think the most important factors in the economy and everything that have taken place is that rates have gone up and inflation has only gone up because I believe that it, the inflation is really driven by rising and, and falling commodity prices. You know what causes that is could be another story, but I think that's the biggest determiner of you know whether you see the food go up in your grocery store is whether agriculture prices are going up. So these aren't just short-term changes that are going on for a couple of weeks or that were started, you know, when Russia invaded Ukraine, but really something that is the result of what happened in 2020 or the end point. And I think it's going to go on for years, unfortunately. So I, I think the economy in the financial markets were living in some strange combination of what happened in the 1970s and in the financial markets with a lot of it, what happened in, in uh, March, 2020, where you see this big com- bubble that's kind of g- topping out or slowly starting to deflate in real speculative pockets of, of so, the financial markets. So Mike, I mean, when you bring up the seventies there, that's where you have this big stagflation and all that. So it's inflationary, but it's not even a bubble of pros- of artificial prosperity. It just sucks for everyone. Um, that I think is different, right? If you were making a metaphor to the nineties, you would have said that or to the Bush years or even to the Obama Trump years, you would have said that as far as, um, you know, I mean, obviously, especially like the, the Clinton or Bush years as far because both of them ended 
with these giant collapses. Um, in 2020, you did have this massive recession that was forced by the lockdowns, essentially. And so that was sort of like the stand-in for 2008 and the crash there, in a way. So now this is the consequence of that stimulus. But you're not telling me this is a lot like the W. Bush years. You're telling me this is a lot like the Gerald Ford years. So I think. So what exactly is the difference? Yeah, I, I would, it's tricky. What I'm trying to argue is to separate the economy, what we experience, from what's going on in the stock market. So when it comes to the economy, I think it's like the 1970s where you do have a lot of inflation and you know interest rates are are going to go up um and the the I think it's like 1972 what we're living in um at the moment if you go back to to that year uh that's when the inflation actually started to become noticeable and a social issue was was um in 72 and 73 so I think that's what the similarity that we're living in and the economy, you know, you had a recession in the middle of the 1970s uh, where economic GDP growth went negative, but it wasn't like a Great Depression or 2008 even. Um, so I, I think we're probably going to see some sort of recession like that. And then at some point to end the inflation, they're going to have to raise interest rates above what the inflation rate is and they're officially telling us it's like 8.5 percent on the cpi i'm not you know it's likely higher than that because yeah. they, they do monkey with the stats but at some point you know rates are only um they're not they're not even a, a percent yet of the federal funds rate so we got it's going to take them years to get the rates high enough um i mean they, they might you know there's Christ. the feds claiming they're going to get it to three about three percent a year but i mean that doesn't even get us there so it's going to take a lot of time but the similarity i see with the clinton and, and, and bush years and is the stock market being a financial uh bubble because uh, in 2000 we had the you know internet stocks mm -hmm. and and now it's the you know, the NASDAQ went up a whole lot. Well, importantly, right, in 99, 2000, when the markets crashed, the housing bubble continued on. And it didn't right. come down until 2008. So we had that correction, but it was really the housing bubble had begun under Clinton. And it was only, you know, they delayed because after the dot-coms crashed, they just kept funneling money into housing. But then that turned out to have an end point, too, as we all saw but, um, you know, man, so if the funds rate, that's the overnight rate that's dictated by the central bank there for when banks loan each other money. Um, if they have to raise that up higher than the nominal or, you know, the declared or even the real rate of inflation, then that's just in order to essentially end the inflation, cause the recession in order to then start all over on the same damn stupid process again. Um, if you're telling me that's what it's going to take, that the interest rate has to be higher than the inflation rate, then that's just not going to happen. Because Paul Volcker's dead, and ain't nobody going to dig up his corpse and make him the Fed chairman who's willing to do that, who's willing to cause. And, and also, when Paul Volcker did that, when the national debt, half a trillion bucks or something like that, 
um, before Ronald Reagan got his hands on that budget, him and his Democrats in Congress at the time. So, but they can't do that now because if they have to pay interest on the debt at 15% a year or something like that, that'll be more than the entire federal budget just right there just to pay interest on the debt, which is now, you know, 20 trillion, if not 30 trillion, depending on how you count it, right? So, um, that'd be enough to completely bankrupt the government right there. Um, so they're just, that's just not going to happen. So is that what you're telling me? Is that there's no correction coming? They're just going to keep inflating? And, and oh, I guess the other major part of this, of course, right, is the reserve ratios. Or didn't they just like get rid of those altogether and the banks can just loan out as much money as they want right now? And all that artificial bank credit expansion is just, why well, do they even they need say, to borrow money from each other when they can all just <laughs> create money themselves well, they, all day? they say they're going to announce the end of that. They haven't impair and slowly eliminate that quantitative easing and debt expansion. They haven't started to do that yet. They keep saying they're going to announce them doing that soon. But yeah, I, I again, you know, if you look at real real estate, um, is why I think it's like the 1970s. Uh, as you pointed out, you know, real estate prices crashed in around 2006 is when they peaked and then you know they fell and there was a big crash in 2008 but in the 70s real estate went up um it didn't crash in fact real estate was among the best things one could invest in because inflation remained higher than um than the fed funds rate so i think what you what you just said is what the problem is, you know, the debt is so big, uh, rates are so low that they can't take them to that rate to stop inflation because of all these problems now. But I think if, if you have inflation like you had in the 1970s of 5 to 10% officially a year, with the, after 10 years, the debt basically is inflated away and then they could raise the rates high enough. Uh, to take out and, and, and end this whole thing. And, oh, good. And, we just got to get to the point where they're lopping zeros off of the dollars. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what I think this is going to do, but slowly. Not, so not now, like wait a minute. Th- so you're I, telling me, am I, am I reading you right then that I'm living in a town where a $300,000 house is now going for $700,000? And you're telling me, yeah, go ahead and buy now. Because it's still, they're just going to keep inflating and inflating and inflating. This is not the top of the bubble, not even near it. $600,000, $700,000 for a house, we're going to be laughing in 10 years because the house that you bought for $600,000 now, that was $300,000 a year and a half ago or whatever it is, um, will be worth a million and a half or more than that or some kind of crazy thing because that's how badly they're devaluing the currency. Is that really right? Well... Yeah, I mean, I, I I believe that if you look at the, I think you know, as far as investing and it's like I think it's like the 1970s. If you go to the 1970s, real estate was among the best things to invest in. Inside the, the stock market didn't Crazy. perform better than than the rate of inflation. But you see what I'm saying? Like if you live in yeah. Austin right now, it feels like you've got to be at the height of the bubble. This ain't the height of the bubble. It's well, going to be the, two, I three mean, times, four times. It's just going to keep on like this. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't. I I would say there will likely be 
small corrections or pauses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do think, you know, I, I, my guess is I'm bearish on the stock market. I think, you know, like referring to it like March 2000 or summer 2000, hmm. you know, I think the NASDAQ can go down, you know, but 30% or something, it, it doesn't really matter to, to people if you're not invested in it. But most likely when that, Whenever there is some sort of correction in the stock market, probably that's when there'll be a recession or weakness in the economy, finally. And I would think that's when real estate might pull back a little bit, but I would think it would pull back 10% or something, not like what happened in the from 2006 to 2008. And the problem is uh, the cost to build these houses keeps going up. So that wasn't really happening, you know, in the Bush years. Uh, now, you know, the, the the cost of lumber went up. I mean, yeah, it'll pull back or it has a little bit from where it was last year. But um, as far as, you know, I mean, I'm, it makes it tough to if you want to build something. But um, it, it's a trade-off. You know, if you buy a house now, you're buying before mortgage rates go higher. But, you know, if there is some softness in the economy, then the housing prices might dip a little bit. But, you know, it, it's... But not like 08. Not yeah, where... Yeah, right, right. Okay. Hang on just one second. Hey, guys, I had some wasps in my house. So I shot them to death with my trusty Bug Assault 3.0 model with the improved salt reservoir and bar safety. I don't have a deal with them. But the show does earn a kickback every time you get a bug of salt or anything else you buy from Amazon.com by way of the link in the right-hand margin on the front page at scotthorton.org. So keep that in mind. And don't worry about the mess. Your wife will clean it up. Green Mill Supercritical is the award-winning leader in cannabis oil extraction. Their machines are absolute top of the line. They simply work better and accomplish more for less than any competitor in the world. We're talking anywhere from a couple of hundred thousand dollars for the base model and up. So this is for serious business people here. But the price, as they say, will be worth it. Green Mill Supercritical customers' investments pay for themselves oftentimes in just weeks. Simple enough for almost any operator. Deep enough for master technicians. Their new novel techniques for inline real-time winterization are leaving their competitors in the key. That's GreenMillSuperCritical.com. Man, I wish I was in school so I could drop out and sign up for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom instead. Tom has done such a great job on putting together a classical curriculum for everyone from junior high schoolers on up through the postgraduate level. And it's all very reasonably priced. Just make sure you click through from the link in the right margin at scotthorton.org. Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Real history. Real economics. Real education. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Wow. So, I mean, which, I mean, obviously, this raises the question of homelessness. 
you know, my rent just went up a hundred bucks. I know because of the property tax um, assessments came due. And so everybody's mm -hmm. property taxes went up. Every every single taxing jurisdiction in the country is going to take full advantage of this and reassess everybody's properties, raise everybody's taxes. And that means people are going to be thrown out of their homes. Renters and owners alike are going to be thrown out of their homes. I mean, they have been, and they're going to continue to be. And then, so this is, I mean, I'm really worried about overall just the, you know, the Soviet Union's been gone for so long. People don't know. People think this is capitalism, which is kind of right. They don't know there's crusty old gold standard types who would blame a lack of free market capitalism for our problems. They don't even understand that on the basic level. This is capitalism. And that means they want socialism. And if only the government would buy all the houses and give them away to everybody, then everybody would have a place to live instead of all having to live under bridges by the thousands and thousands and millions across the country. What is the upper limit on the amount of homelessness that we can have before, I don't know, arson fires just start breaking out everywhere. The Arab Spring breaks out in the USA, you know? Well, that's, that's a huge problem is when you have, I mean, I think it's just starting, you know, when you have uh, high inflation, um, it causes political instability. And one of the most disturbing books I ever read was about, and I'm not, I don't, I think this is like the 70s, not the Weimar Republic. <laughs> but I read a book about the inflation in, in in Germany, you know, in the 20s and stuff. And one of the disturbing things in the book was that the German people had no real understanding of what was causing the inflation, which was their war debt. And being in, in Germany back then, it was owed to all these foreign countries, and uh, they couldn't simply anyway. Any, that was the main cause of it, and the, and it started during World War One actually. The high and the inflation in Germany just got worse and worse, but the people didn't understand that was the cause of it, and they're like ten things they were blaming it on. None of them and really were the cause like one of the things was oh farmers are hoarding goods and not bringing into the cities so making far oh, food prices go up oh it's a conspiracy of speculate you know currency speculators or it's a conspiracy of, of of the communists or jewish people and so anyway just group after group uh, a conspiracy of bankers um or it's economic war being done you know by the <clears throat> former uh, allies, uh, and not the central bank of, of Germany, you know, with printing because of the war debt. Uh, that was the cause. So in, in, in Turkey, uh, they've had a lot of inflation over the past couple years, four or five years. And it's sort of the same thing there, that the leader of Turkey, uh, Erdogan, was blaming the United States for causing this. Uh, and now, you know, we have this, see this war that started with Russia and Ukraine and the initial, one of the initial reactions was to blame the inflation on that to say, you know, the war is causing shortages in, in grain and wheat and energy. And that's the cause of inflation. 
Yeah, it does make it a little worse, but it's not the cause. It started before that war began. So the point is, inflation causes social instability and hardship and also a lot of confusion of what is the cause and people leaders will blame that you know biden's not going to say the fed and debt is causing it and i i don't know what you know the the republican who runs will say is the cause either they'll probably just blame it on him so you know how do the american people react to it what are they are going to desire yeah, it is. It's. Are they going to understand? Yeah, are they going to listen to Ron Paul uh, like I did? You know, when when um, when uh, Clinton and uh, and uh, Bush were president. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, what, what are they you, today? You know, they going to listen to your guests or you know people at the Mises Institute? I don't know. If they will. Man. Uh, yeah, it's a really bad thing. I forgot who it was. Maybe Hazlitt said something about the ravages of inflation, but not one man in 10,000 understands what's the cause. And so then, as you're saying with the German example here and the Turkish example, just think of all the different people in American society that there are for people to blame besides the Fed when they don't understand. And it's just yeah, another and, and reason for everybody to hate each other, you know? yeah. And, then, and, and again, like, and it makes people think that capitalism, which you and I would define as, you know, private property owners keeping what they legitimately earn or, you know, come into possession of uh, and, and trading voluntarily to them means all this crooked corruption and endlessly rising prices. And I saw a, a viral tweet yesterday about a guy who uh, the house across the street from his parents was selling for like $175,000 when he went off to college. And he thought, great, I'll go to college, I'll get a degree, I'll come home and I'll buy a house like that. Uh, he came home to buy that house or buy a house just like that and maybe even that one. And then it was now going for $500,000 or $600,000 or something. And it just sold for a million dollars. And he just is saying, and then it concludes with, you know, F you to all of the adults who made it this way in our society and this way, meaning mm -hmm. capitalism where rich people bid up prices and make it where poor people like me can't have houses. And then the only conclusion was we need communism where the government seizes all the houses and gives them away to everybody so that it's fair now instead of the way it is. And you know, these are, this is, you know, it's obviously kind of ignorant and ridiculous binary thinking, but Again, they never heard of this gold standard argument, you know, this anti-central banking argument from free market types. That's some wingnut thing. They don't know about that. All they know is this is the way it is, and the opposite of this is socialism, and so that's what they think they want. Yeah, that, that's why, like, when we started the conversation, um, you know, all this stuff can be complicated, and, you know, I, got, I might be wrong about what the stock market's going to do, but... Uh, 
the one thing that's the most important factor is that rates went to zero, you know, in, in 2020. That's the, that's the one thing that is the most important thing for people to understand. And that explains, you know, I wish I could tell that kid or, or person that you saw doing this, look at what rates went. They went to zero. What do you think is going to happen? Because the problem, uh, one of the things that happens is bonds go up and down, uh, bonds go up in value and rates go down. So when interest rates go up, the value of treasury bonds, corporate bonds, they fall. And this is a big problem for people that have investments, IRAs. Uh, it doesn't matter if you got $5,000 in your retirement account or a billion, you know, uh, people historically since 1980, <laughs> which seems like all of human history to, to people, uh, bonds have been in a bull market and they've been told, look, put half your money in the stock market, you know, or 40 or 60%, put half or 40% in bonds because when the stock market falls, the federal lower rates and bonds go up and it's diversification. But when bonds go down, people can't invest in something that was as stable as they had been. And when you do have your money in these bonds, you're losing money, uh, you know, because it's because you're not getting the yield of uh, you're getting right. such a low yield. Yeah, I mean, inflation. you're telling me that like, yeah, what people need to do is get into the real estate bubble because that's probably the longest lasting bubble. But you're going to end up upside down yeah. and lose your shirt there, too, just hopefully later. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, that that's when. Uh, well, I'm not this is I'm not I'm not doing that myself. I'm buying gold and silver. So that's that's my solution. I had a good portion of my money in CDs last year and. They came due, and I'd put it in gold and silver. So, but I'm too lazy to go run around and try to be a landlord. Yeah, um, man. Well, um, all right. So, but here's the thing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know the way this always works, and obviously, as an economist, I'm a great anti-war guy. But I read some Rothbard. And I'm pretty sure it's the central banking chapter in For a New Liberty where he says it, it very simply that, you know, what happens is they build up the bubble and then at some point they realize, oh, no, this inflation is really getting out of control. we got to try to prick the bubble and let the air out slowly here. But then that doesn't work. The needle always pops the bubble and it's always a catastrophe. And that's just how it is. There's nothing they can do about it. But that. You know, and so then this is the cycle. That's why they call it the business cycle. It's the central banking inflationary bubble cycle. And it just keeps happening over and over and over again um, is because of that. But so um, I see what you're saying now about the rate of inflation being so high and interest rates so low, the Fed rate so low. Um, but if, I mean, they must already be at the point, they already are at the point of saying, uh-oh, this is a problem and you know, the Rothbard point of panicking and deciding they need to try to start pricking the bubble now. But you're just saying at this rate, sorry to for the turn of phrase, at this rate, it'll take them forever to raise rates high enough to make that difference. Years. 
unless you just got rid of the current leadership and they came in and just some new guy came in like crazy and just raised rates, what, to 15% or something and deliberately completely crashed the economy into the ground. I mean, politics isn't going to allow that, but that's what you're saying it would take for them to really prick this bubble now, if I understand it. Right. Well, when you say the word bubble, um, I'm... Yeah, I don't I know what say, I'm talking about. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, when you when you when you say the word bubble, I'm not. I, I, I'm saying there are bubbles in the in the financial markets, but that real estate uh, is not one of those bubbles. Um, to me, the bubbles we have today are highly valued technology stocks. But even when housing and, prices are like doubling and tripling in just the space of a couple of years. Well, I, I think they're not a bubble because of this in rate of inflation. I um, see. But but, but the, so like the, sort of they are, but just inflation's going to beat out their bubbleness anyway eventually. Yeah, yeah, basically. But okay. things company companies though, um, such I'll just use Netflix um, as an example. So Netflix, I don't I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they have billions of dollars in debt and they don't turn a profit so they have to they finance their existence through issuing corporate bonds that they have to pay an interest on now the problem is because they don't turn a profit and they keep they got to keep going to the bond market higher rates will increase their expenses their borrowing costs and hurt the company could drive it into bankruptcy and there are thousands of companies like that not all of them but thousands and many of the popular technology stocks are like that so that's to me that's a bubble that's likely to be bursting slowly and netflix crashed uh, this week just crashed in January and it's crashed again. Facebook fell 25% a day in January. So there, there's stocks crashing. Um, but to me, that's just, that's a bubble in the financial markets. And I consider NFTs and a lot of the crypto market to be a similar thing, but stuff like real estate, you know, and I'm, I'm not about trying to push promote you know, telling people to do it. I mean, like I said, I'm buying gold and silver, but things in the real world that have some economic function, I don't think are as much of a bubble as highly indebted companies or NFT art, for example. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so gold and silver, that's a good old standby. Um, their prices aren't up that much, but they more or less you know, hold their value. It's a safe place, if not a great place to speculate. It's a safe place to hold whatever uh, excess wealth somebody might have, right? Yeah, I mean, in, in March of 2020, the S&P fell about 35%, and gold fell about 10 So, and and I believe it's going to go up anyway. So so I, I think there's limited downside to the to the precious metals i guess the danger in, in housing and real estate that got people in trouble isn't so much that the prices fell uh, <laughs> but that they had to go that they went in debt to to you know buy the houses 
and then, and then the prices fell. It's you know, it's being in debt that, um, well, in some ways, you might, we, you know, one of the implications of all this stuff I'm saying is being in debt now might not be a bad thing. Uh, you know, if you're getting in before rates go up, and if the value of the dollar is going to go down anyway, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but but you don't want to go in debt at the end of this. Uh, so if you, so if you go back to Volcker, um, a long time ago, time goes by, but uh, that William Greider book about the Federal Reserve, uh-huh. one of the few books about the Fed, uh, Secrets of the Temple, that's what it was called. Right. Uh, one of the big, you know, he wrote that, I think when Bush, the first Bush was president, but anyway, one of the big, he was attacking the Fed for having raised rates right. and bankrupted all these farmers in uh, the early 1980s. And what happened was, you know, farmers, they borrow money to, you know, for machinery, for, for crop, for seeds, and to, like, they're heavily indebted co- uh, businesses. Right. And all these small farmers, they were borrowing money when uh, Volcker jammed interest rates up. Right. They were all being encouraged that now is the time for you to take out huge debts to buy your neighbor's farm and to buy all brand new tractors and to, because, you know, on economies of scale, the, the, you got to get new computers and all these things or you're not going to be able. So everybody was just, it was like a a huge fad at the time was go ahead and get up to your eyeballs in debt. Now interest rates have never been lower and times are changing in farming and you're going to be left behind. So they all did that. And then Volcker jammed them with the interest rates and they all were completely screwed a whole generation, millions of people. Oh yeah. And what, and I know this cause my grandma, was a farmer. So, um, and what happened was gold and silver, they topped out in 1979, 1980, but so did corn prices and wheat prices and all these agriculture prices. And they went in a bear market for a decade. And so these farmers had all these debts and then their crops are going down in value you know their businesses so they're not making re- they're making less and less revenue and may- thousands millions of them went bankrupt and that was a big i mean I think their movies a couple of movies are made about that when reagan was president uh, about the the dying farmers so so that's a warning to us today for like the real estate story you know if you buy real estate now and you're borrowing rates you know before mortgages go up that's you know, I think that's okay. That's good. But if you do it when the time does come, when they really say we're raising rates to 10% or something, you know, I think there'll be year, a couple of years from now, you don't want to be doing anything after that. You know, you don't want to be doing this stuff in real estate or gold or silver or whatever when the last year of this inflationary cycle is over because then you would you will get caught holding the bag and that's probably when there will be a really deep recession is the process of of that's the real busting of the bubble i think that you're you're talking about yeah well you're bumming me out well it's a (laughs) it's not a good it's a crazy time we live in it's just 
shake your head at it. Yeah, man. All right. Well, listen, uh, everybody, that's the great Mike Swanson. He's at wallstreetwindow.com, and he'll help you protect whatever assets you have not had inflated out from under you yet. So thank goodness <laughs> for that. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Good talk with you. The Scott Horton Show and Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.